You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from the Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. Has come and gone the secret of tomorrow's coming fast. Which bedtime story shall I sing to you when we turn out? Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we are still talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of a Broadway musical and all of the drama that ensued along the way. Theater fans like us had a love-hate relationship with Smash when it aired. While we were excited to see musical theater beamed into our homes week after week, the show wasn't landing with a wider audience. So we're going back episode by episode to figure out why. We're diving into each episode to figure out why something as emotional as creating a Broadway musical could land flat with TV audiences. So let's dive in and talk about Season 1, Episode 12, Publicity. Aaron, give us the stats! Here we go! Publicity premiered on April 23rd, 2012. It marks the return of our original team from the pilot and first few episodes of the series, Teresa Rebeck and Michael Mayer, who respectively wrote and directed this episode. The viewership was up this episode, yay! Premiering to 6.01 million viewers, about 60,000 more than last week. Gotta be that Bollywood promo, right? Are you sure it's not all of those Teresa Rebeck and Michael Mayer stands that were like, the team is back? <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Either way. There were three featured songs this episode, which may have been my favorite episode soundtrack of the season. Oh. One cover of Run by Snow Patrol, and two original songs, the Bollywood-inspired original A Thousand and One Nights and Shadow Maryland's ballad of Secondhand White BB Grand, both written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. And I'm scared to ask, but what happens in this episode, Mo? Derek calls Karen into rehearsal early to ask her to continue looking over the leading lady material, saying, I think you'd make a brilliant Marilyn. After rehearsal, Rebecca invites Karen to go out in order for Ms. Duvall to check out the competition. When Karen slays Snow Patrol's run, singing it live at a club, Rebecca tells her, You're not an understudy, you're a star. But Rebecca Duvall continues to give notes on the bombshell script and score, including to cut one of the show's only romantic duets, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. When Tom and Julia write a new song called Secondhand White Baby Grand, Rebecca says it should be given to one of Marilyn's shadow selves, Karen. Rebecca continues to integrate herself with the company, making smoothies with Linda the stage manager and becoming BFFs with Karen, taking her clubbing and giving her designer clothing. Everyone's having dinner dates. Ivy at drinks with Sam and Tom, Eileen and her bartender boyfriend out at BAM, and Karen out to Indian food with Dev and Rebecca, who end up passive-aggressively arguing about what Karen wants her future to look like. In her mind, Karen transports herself to a multicultural Bollywood, where Dev and Karen challenge each other to prove their love is longer than a thousand and one nights. The number features 30 dancers, including current Broadway performers Erica Hunter, Nina LaFarga, Katie Weber, and our own Aaron J. Albano. Hello, well, get out of here. Okay, we're going to talk about you later. The fantasy sequence is performed at an Indian wedding venue as scores of multicultural dancers in tunics and saris pinch their thumbs and middle fingers together and push flexed hands towards the corners of the room. In curtain corners of the hall, Rebecca, Tom, Eileen, Julia, and the rest of our leading players pose in tableaus that reflect the song's quandaries. 
Back in reality, Julia's missing son turns out to be sleeping on a friend's floor, but the search for him causes Julia and her husband to come back together. Her son's return also brings Tom and Sam together, cementing their budding relationship with a sweet and subtle kiss. Ivy watches Ellis as he's relegated to making Rebecca Duval's smoothies and concocts a plan to get both Rebecca and Karen in trouble by feeding them misinformation about the rehearsal schedule. Mm. When Rebecca returns 15 minutes late from a 10-minute break, Derek lambasts her. But when Karen doesn't return to rehearsal at all, Derek gives Karen's new song to Ivy. Ivy crushes her first run of secondhand white baby grand, yes, which includes staging that rolls Rebecca Duval upstage as Ivy's shadow self takes downstage center. But the moment the company applauds Ivy for her spectacular performance, Rebecca tells the room that she thinks Marilyn should sing the song herself. Favorite moments by Broadway favorites. I'm retitling the first section. Not favorite moments by an ensembleist, but let's oh, let's widen the scope. Favorite oh, moments by Broadway favorites. I mean, what do you think, Aaron? Well, firstly, Michael Swift has been recast. <laughs> he has. We finally have a new Michael Swift. We have a new Michael Swift in Ted, no last name, played by Tony Yazbek, who sounds great. He and did sound great. He sounded so good and then disappeared from rehearsal yet again. Well, we didn't see much of rehearsal for, of, of our bombshell cast in this That's episode. true. We saw a lot more breaks than we did rehearsal. That's right. I love that Karen gives us a real fact check. Oh, sure. Go, like, go, go, go. In a world where it feels like we're based in Broadway, but nothing is actually like it is on Broadway, the fact mm-hmm. that she tells us the following. Linda told me that the stage manager rehearses the understudies after opening in case we ever need to go on, which we probably won't. And I was like, that's true. The stage manager does usually rehearse the understudies after opening. There's a glimmer of reality in this fantasy that is smash. (laughs) I don't know why it just made me like so happy. Can you just imagine Anne Harada just rehearsing with Karen, just going through the blocking? Yes, I can. I actually really can. Although, here's my favorite thing. Have they, before this episode, because we've talked about it because we know the show, but... Had they mentioned that this was for an out-of-town Boston sh- production before now? You're making me realize I don't think there was ever an announcement. Like, there was never no. a point where it says, like, like we see the front of a newspaper. It says, bombshell, going to going- Boston. Yeah. They just snuck it in. <laughs> Which we just assume that there's a real production because they're rehearsing, A. B, that Rebecca Duvall would sign on to an actual production and not a lab. But that's us just assuming things, knowing our world and the show. They don't actually say that. Listeners, if if you've caught when they tell us, announce that they're going to Boston, please let let us us know. know Let us know. I I think you're right. Uh, It was great. I loved Rami Sandu uh, in the number and before the number. I thought that was such an interesting choice to have him both in the number and... I guess he he was the linking thread that goes from reality to... Yeah, but then he never, like, does anything in the number that references the fact that he was in the restaurant. And, like, no one else, like, none of the bombshell dancers are in the Bollywood number, right? 
I think it sort of depends on which rehearsal you're watching from <laughs> episode to episode, because Ricky Tripp was in the number. El- Eleanor's in the number. You're telling me that if you were in Bombshell and also a person of color, then you were in also the Also in the number? Okay. Possibly. Okay. All right. <laughs> and speaking of, let's get there. Firstly... Eleanor Scott is so good in this number. <laughs> Tell us who Eleanor Scott is because okay. I actually like I've never I've never crossed paths with Eleanor. Oh really? Okay, so Eleanor Scott, um, she was a dancer on So You Think You Can Dance. I feel like that was when she sort of burst onto the scene, and then okay. she, I really got to know her when she. Uh, she was the. She's been the associate choreographer for a lot of different Broadway shows. She was the associate choreographer on Cats. She associate choreographed Falsettos. I think most recently she choreographed. She associate choreographed Head Over Heels. Yes, and um, she choreographed the off-Broadway production of Little Shop that's currently running. Oh, great. And so, yeah, she's been, but before all of those things, she was a wonderful dancer on 1001 Nights on Smash. And she was, you could see her off of Karen's right shoulder mm-hmm. for pretty much the entire number. And she's so good. Also in this number, my fellow newsy, Jess Prado is in this number. <laughs> Um, I have so many problems with the casting in this number. I have so many problems. And oh, I don't sure. I don't I don't have a lens to look at the casting of this number with positive feelings. It feels like they are trying to embrace this multicultural Bollywood. Okay, let's let's say I give you credit for that. Let's say sure, we're going to see Tom and Julia and Ivy and everyone's going to be dressed in stereotypical or traditional Indian clothing. Where it really hit me was like anyone who was a person of color was like dancing closer to the leading characters. And then they were like trying to like keep all of the Caucasian people like away from center stage or the, I get it. the, the oh. center of the screen. It feels icky yeah, to me. Which I guess it's one of those things that make you go, hmm. It's simultaneously trying to be very unconscious of race, but also seems very conscious of race at the same time. Oh, sure. Which was it? Was it only eight years ago that well, we could? I think also this is thinking of the timeline in which this show sort of existed in the TV industry. It felt like it was yet another reaction to what was on TV at the time. Like, so you thinking dance was on, and I think they had just adopted more multicultural dance styles into their okay. lexicon of dances. And Bollywood was really popular. And up to this point, Rasa Joffrey didn't have anything to do. And he's a musical dude. My favorite thing when I was when I got the show, I was like, yo, that's the original Akash from the London Bombay Dreams. Oh. And I was like, yo, I get to I get to dance behind the dude who originated the part that I covered in the original production of the show. So I was gagged for it, but I was like, what are you going to put him in? Well, not what are you going to put him in, because they could put him in anything. But I feel like it was the show, again, trying to follow this trend where, oh, Bollywood numbers are going really well on So You Think You Can Dance. We have an Indian lead currently. Let's try to use this to our advantage. I don't know. You can't, you can't have Dev just sing a ballad. Like, it's just like, you can't have him sing. I don't know. I feel icky. Did you find it offensive as a number? It's related to the conversation that we have when we say, should gay characters on Broadway only be played by 
homosexuals. Okay. Should trans characters only be played by trans people? It's related to that conversation. Should should Indian musical sequences only be staged by people of Indian descent? I, it's all related, and I just I'm. It is just a hard nut to crack. Sure. On one side, like we're all artists who are trying to embody other people, and like live in the world of someone else. We're never trying to be exactly who we are we're always trying to represent somebody else and then the other side of that is that as artists we're always trying to bring the truest humanity inside of us into whatever role we're playing so we're both trying to be someone completely different than us and also show our most vulnerable truths yeah i mean and i also think at that point there's also an element of time is a factor here as we learn more we are responsible for more. And like, I will say until I'm dead, like I am so happy that Bombay Dreams was my Broadway debut. But if that were produced now, should I have been in that show? Absolutely not. Hmm. But I also can't change the past and can't change where the business was and where the industry was in 2004. And I don't know, and again, so in that vein, I don't know where in that scale episode 12 of Smash lies. <laughs> like, should yeah. we have come so far that this should have been different? Or is it far enough back that we excuse it? I don't know. All right. So if we're not going to solve racism tonight, let's move on. <laughs> Fair. Okay, let's talk about this entire concept of the Shadow Marylands. Oh, yes. Is this a real thing? Is this? uh, Shadow Marylands. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like a combination of having multiple actors play a role through various stages of their life and like a dream version of a character in a ballet. Right? Like, okay, fair, fair, the, fair, fair, fair. The fair. first one is like having three women play Cher or having three women play Donna Summer. You're having yeah. multiple actors portray a character at different times. Okay, I can but buy that. It's also more like a dream Lori from Oklahoma because it's not about playing the character at a different stage in their life. It's about playing uh, uh thoughts uh the 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 dreams the the wishes the aspirations of a character it it's it's pre share it's pre summer but it's sort of like the the vocal version of a dream lori in my mind that's that makes sense actually i mean yeah i don't remember hearing that ever happen in the musical theater canon the idea that this is a that this is a device being used to cover the fact that your star can't sing <laughs> it's not a good device for the show, right? Like, I feel like people will see right through that. It probably emotionally distances you from your leading character, which is like yeah. exactly what you don't want to do. I mean, especially you can you, it, it it comes out perfectly clear with this secondhand white baby grand fiasco, which is I love this song. <laughs> it's like the one. It's like the one song outside of "Let Me Be Your Star" that I always remember from this season of the show. Oh. Okay. I love this song. But like them arguing about who's going to sing this song. And then when it goes to Ivy and she literally gets like 
trucked forward <laughs> while actual Marilyn gets pushed back. It's terrible musical theater staging and amazing staging to watch in an episode of Smash. Especially when she's like, wait, 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 and just yeah. like is confused that she's getting pushed back. Nobody told her. No state. Uh-huh. Linda did not tell her that the couch should be rolling <laughs> up stage in this number. Do you think that's automation or do you think that's like a prophecy about how Broadway turns out in 2020? That all the ensemble just keeps moving. Uh, that, every, <laughs> that every set change is done so, so that it's cheaper to tour. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like, if if you have Shadow Marilyn Ivy being pushed out like at the bridge or at the second verse and real Marilyn get pushed back, Shadow Marilyn Ivy is still going to get the Tony nomination, right? <laughs> Who did Derek and Tom even think they're fooling by implementing this device? This is where Bombshell is not a musical. It is something in which 42-minute episodes of television are being put on. No one seems to be looking at this larger musical that we're creating and trying to do what's best for the show. No. And what's interesting, like, and the end beat of the episode where Rebecca's like, I think Marilyn should sing this song. I'm like, me too, girl. She should be singing this song. Because Who is this shadow bitch? Or at the very least, give the song to all three of the shadows that are right there. But I'm just like, if this is a device you're trying to use to elevate your show, you're not doing a very good job about it. Yeah, I'm questioning Derek's ability as a director in general. Right? But that's just... <laughs> oh, Derek... How do you feel about Rebecca sort of taking Karen under her wing? Is this like a keep your enemies closer scenario? Or is she... Is it in order to get Karen to trust her? But like, why does the... Why is it valuable for Rebecca to have Karen's trust, but not have the trust of any other people in the show? Like, why does she need the trust of her understudy? Yeah. That, the only other that. sort of Marilyn treatment of Karen <laughs> is from Ivy, who seems equally threatened by her, but then responds by pushing her away and alienating her. Mm-hmm. Where this seems like the opposite. Rebecca befriends her in almost such a way that I can't help but question her motives. I think we're I, totally supposed to question her motives. Are we? But I don't know. Yeah, but to what? I don't know if we know to what end. If Here's a good hypothetical. If rehearsal had gone and planned and Karen was on the plinth that was moving mm-hmm. downstage and Rebecca was moving upstage, do you think Rebecca would have still been like, I think I should sing this? No. Why? Yes. 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 I think yes? so. Because one of the tenets of Smash is that theater people are trash who cannot be trusted. And so I think that everyone is looking out for themselves. And so the show is telling us that Rebecca would throw Karen under the bus in an instant. So you think Rebecca would have flipped on Karen in that moment, even though she's the one who volunteered Karen to sing the song to begin with? God, I don't know, Aaron. I don't know. <laughs> I can well, promise you that no one else has thought about it this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point of our show. <laughs> but like, because that's also what's interesting, because this was a device of her own making. Karen singing the song as staged, Rebecca would have been totally fine with. Why would Rebecca then react differently to Ivy singing a Marilyn song than Karen? 
Maybe she thinks that Ivy, because Ivy actually played the role before, she's more of a threat. Um, maybe she thinks that because Ivy is a Broadway veteran and this isn't her first rodeo that she could be more of a threat. Maybe she thinks that because Ivy was brought in at the last moment that Rebecca might be um, being considered letting go. There's reasons why she might care that Ivy is singing the song and wouldn't care that Karen would. You know what I just thought of also? What if her tact to taking Karen under her wing is less about elevating Karen and more about being able to claim ownership of Karen? Because if she elevates Karen and it's because of Rebecca, then Karen's a star because Rebecca made her a star. Mm. Yeah. And so that's why Ivy swooping in and singing the song instead is like a wrench in her gears. Because that's what's so interesting about when Rebecca hears Karen, she's like, mm-hmm. give her the song, give her da da da. And let's let's teach her how to be a star. There's almost this Regina George vibe to her where she is taking Karen under her wing and making her a plastic instead of reviling her the way Ivy did. You did it. Does that make sense or did I just make that up? You did it. You 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 brought it back to Mean Girls. I think <laughs> I, I honestly think you cracked it. Yes. To keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch episode 13 of Smash entitled Tech. It's happening. Oh my god, she can't we're in get tech. married because we're in tech. tech. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or at NBC.com. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady. <laughs> Are you enjoying the Smash miniseries? Let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, especially if you're clamoring for us to recap season two. You can also download previous episodes of Smashed and find other great Ensemblist miniseries wherever you get your podcasts or at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com And be sure to follow The Ensemblist on Instagram or our website, where we share stories of talented artists working in Broadway ensembles. Thanks for listening, guys! Until next time! Woohoo! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.